right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And today, the hilarious Paul Shear is going to be here. Actor, comedian, uh, my buddy from I Love the 80s, 90s, those pop culture shows on VH1. He's also the host of one of the best podcasts out there, How Did This Get Made? It's a uh, podcast talking about really bad movies. How did they get made? We're going to give you a real behind-the-scenes look at what it's like to make this podcast, what it was like to film the VH1 I Love the 80s specials. You'll be surprised. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll be hilariously entertained. Paul's obviously big into pop culture. Podcasts all about bad movies. So, of course, we're going to go there. Lots of good stuff on Back to the Future, the Star Wars franchise, Indiana Jones, James Bond, and the Marvel movies. Paul also tried out for SNL a few times. He's going to share what that process was like. And the one thing he regrets saying to Lauren Michaels, we're also going to get in-depth about different strokes. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. What other podcast can you go in depth about? Different strokes it takes. Different strokes it takes. Different strokes rule the world. Yeah, Paul's got a lot of great stories. You're going to hear all of them. But first, I got to take care of the two most important parts of this podcast, you guys, and of course, my amazing sponsors. That's right. If you didn't support all the great Talk is Jericho sponsors, I wouldn't be able to do this for you for free for twice a week, all right? So thanks, uh, first of all, to Diamond Dallas Page and DDP Yoga. All right, you know how much I dig DDP Yoga, especially the new DDP Yoga Now app. It's been my mission to get all of you. Every single one, even you, uh, Fat Frank in Peoria, you know I'm talking to you. I got to get you doing DDP Yoga because of how much uh, the great stuff the program is, how much it's helped me, how much it's done for my career. You know it saved my pro wrestling career. You know it saved my singing career. You know it saved my quality of life. DDP Yoga also saved Jake the Snake, Roberts's life. And you can see for yourself in the resurrection of Jake the Snake, the documentary that Dallas and his crew put together. Believe me, this is not a wrestling documentary. It's a uh, amazing, heartwarming, uh, riveting story, personal story, about how Jake the Snake beat his demons, battled back from the brink of death to reclaim his life and his family. Such a great story. So many people checking out and digging it. It's now the sixth highest rated documentary of all time on Netflix. Let me say that again. The sixth highest rated documentary of all time on Netflix. How many documentaries are on Netflix? 5, 10, 15, 20,000? This is the sixth highest rated. That means everybody that's seen it has loved the resurrection of Jake the Snake. I know I love it. I just rewatched it. You need to go rewatch it. If you haven't seen it, then go watch it. Be sure to rate it after you watch it. Netflix, uh, Netflix and chill. That's the thing. Go Netflix and chill with the resurrection of Jake the Snake. But I'm telling you this. It ain't no... Uh, it ain't no happy story. It's it's very, very, like I said, it's sad, it's heartbreaking, but at the end, it's very happy, and it's very, very worthwhile watching. One of the best documentaries I've ever seen in my life. Uh, this documentary will take you on a roller coaster ride of emotions. It'll leave you feeling inspired and ready to take on the world at the end, just like DDP helped Jake the Snake do. Once you're fired up to change your own life, after you've watched uh, the resurrection of Jake the Snake's life, take advantage of this amazing offer that Dallas is giving to you, the Sexy Beast. Talk as Jericho listeners, 20% off anything you paddle choose at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho for a limited time. 20% off DDP Yoga, 20% off the collector's edition of the Resurrection of Jake the Snake documentary, 20% off anything at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That is a huge bargain for you. Take advantage of this offer. Change your life. Change your uh, physical state, your mental state. Start today. DDP Yoga will be the best physical fitness program you've ever done in your life, and you can do it right now. Get started. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Change your life and do it today. Talk is Jericho. 
All right, so we're here like this beautiful Hollywood office, Paul Shear. You're <laughs> actually looking at the uh, at the 101 out here. There's the beautiful mountains. 101. I can see the Harry Potter theme park at Universal. <laughs> a lot of exciting stuff here. I mean, most offices don't have a view into downtown. Uh, what I don't even what, what do they call the Harry Potter land? It's uh, downtown uh, Dumbledore yeah. or something, whatever it is, right? <laughs> we talked about earlier that you know um, I've seen your face for years from yeah. we did the VH1s. Best I love. week ever. Yeah, best, best week ever. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. And I love the 70s, 80s, yeah, yeah. 90s, whatever. So finally getting to meet face I to know. face. People don't realize that those shows, we didn't really interact that much because you would go into a really small office, or at least my experience was this in New York. You would go into somebody's office where there are people working in every cubicle around. Yeah. The door would close. Like, We're taping in here. And then the people, people next door would be like, hey, shut up. We're working like like in LA. It was a little bit better. LA they had like a studio. In New York, we were just in people's offices. basically cubicles. I remember there was, yeah. like, there was like blankets put up on the wall yes. to either keep the light out or the sound or whatever. Yeah. High class production, very high class. VH1 just taking all that money. Like I mean, they, good for them. They figured out how to do it. But it was so funny. It was like this is this is the big time. But we never saw each other because we would just kind of slip in and out. Like yeah, you get done and then by the time you were leaving, someone else was walking in. Right. You, you never might saw. see someone in the hallways. But there's a bunch of guys. Like, like you, uh, Ian Michael Black, yeah, Michael Ian Black, sorry, My, yeah, Michael Ian Black, uh, Doug Benson. Benson, I was to say yeah. Benson. Yeah, I feel like I know him. I've never met him. Eli before. Roth did the show, you know, director. Yeah, yeah like uh, yeah. They, there's been so many people, but it was. The, I always remember it like the the way that you exit a public bathroom. If someone's waiting outside that door, you don't make eye contact. You just kind of go out of the door and you walk. You walk strong and you purposely out. That's so right. Like you just like you don't on want to the next to thing. Know what's been going exactly. on in there, right? <laughs> you don't want to be blamed for it. You don't want to have eye contact. You can't explain it. But you were right though. They really tapped into something there because I walk into your office here and there's uh, there's a Venkman doll. There's a yeah. hot. Uh, yeah, candle thing. Yeah. You got rhinestone soundtrack over in the corner. You are a pop culture aficionado. I, I mean, I certainly love all things of pop culture. I'm a big like, I'm, yeah, I just like it all. I mean, you know, I don't know if that's, you know, the age in which we, I grew up. There was more stuff, but I feel like we're probably right at the the end of that like disposable culture now I feel like I don't think that there are shows or things that are going to exist as strongly as we had them I feel like why do you say that I don't know I feel like more people are watching one thing like uh, you know like for me it was like everyone watched the Cosby show you know Mm -hmm. I mean and Bill Cosby whatever right now (laughs) but I mean but but like you know now it's like Kids are watching them. You know, there's you can be watching stuff on Netflix. You can be watching stuff on cable. Like, just there's a prolifer- uh, proliferation of just media that I feel like there's no connection to it. Like, I was like, I have to watch this because mm-hmm. there's no other option. There's no DVR. It's like I'm coming home. I'm watching Facts of Life, Different Strokes every single day. Yeah. Happy Days reruns until right. I get to the night. And it was like, you know, if I had a choice, I wouldn't be watching any of that stuff. I watch the same copy of Empire Strikes Back about a zillion times. Now it seems like you and I are probably the same age yeah. group. Like I'm four. Yeah, so I'm a little bit younger than that. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah I'm 39 so, right now. But that's what I'm saying. So you're talking, when you mentioned the facts of life, different yeah. strokes, that was exactly, I come home from school, yeah. that's what's on. Yeah. And then there might be some taxi in there. Oh, yeah, you watch some taxi. Happy Nick, days. Yeah. Old SNLs that were like cut down to half an hour on Nick <laughs> yeah. at Night or whatever Nick was when it wasn't like a uh, you know, pinwheel or whatever it was. But yeah, it was, but I feel like that was... I mean, there was just no real options or choices. So you just, you know, you're, you I think you're connected. Yeah. yeah. And you're connected more to that stuff. It makes me feel old. But it's like, at the same time, I feel like that, that's why I feel like it won't be there for kids 
uh, like that are now growing up because it's just so quick and there's internet and there's everything. It's like you're not forced to watch something. I think a lot of so the things. Many options. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we probably watch Indiana Jones and Star Wars a million times just because that there was no real other options. Like yeah. you know, it was like that's it. I go, I bought that Temple of Doom, you know, uh, VHS for 19.99. It was like the supermarket. It was the coolest thing that and Home Alone. Like I was like, yeah, I'm gonna watch this over and over. I remember waiting in line to see Temple of Doom. Oh wow! When it came out, and uh, you got a poster with it. Oh yeah, a free poster. That was the big gimmick at the time. But you get a free poster if you wait in line and show up. I remember they used to have these books in the movie theater, uh, like where you buy candy. And it would be like a commemorative book. So when I saw Return of the Jedi, it was like you could just read about it and look yeah, at yeah, like yeah. black and white stills and color photography. Like premier magazine or something. Oh like, yeah, but, pre- yeah. But was no, was it? Like, it was a free. This was just for the movie specifically you oh. would buy it so like oh, okay. I have a handful of them they're like I have one for a Muppet movie Muppet Take Manhattan and one for Return of the Jedi and it was just sort of like a four or five page like it was basically just like a press release but a bunch of pictures so you could kind of revisit the movie in your memory like oh yeah that was cool yeah, they were on yeah, Jedi yeah. there's the stills and all the cool stuff exactly there. yeah did, that was, did that was you go good. to a lot of movies when you were a kid? oh yeah I mean that was my my big I love movies and my parents are divorced so, you know, I mean, that was it. Like, I would love to go to movies. The most, one of the sites of my most embarrassing movie-going experiences was in a high school. I just, you know, I would go to movies by myself. And I think, as an adult, I'm not embarrassed to go see a movie by myself. I see it all the time. But as a kid, I was like, I'm also not embarrassed. But I went to go see Major League 3, the uh-huh. classic of, of all the major leagues. And uh, back to basics, I believe. Or, uh, right, but, right, right. but um, There always had to be a little tagline. Yeah, it had to be back. Back on the mound. <laughs> and I went and I bumped into this girl that I really liked. And she was there with this, I'm sure, the guy that she was dating. And they both are like, hey, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, I'm seeing this movie. Like, well, who with? And I was like, no one. And I just felt like the biggest loser. I was like, oh, but by choice, by choice. <laughs> yeah, by choice, honestly. I was like, yeah, I, was just, I thought it was cool to be able to, like, I had a little bit of, like, you know, curfew freedom that I'd be like, as long as I'm home by nine, I can oh, do whatever yeah. I want. I had a car at that point or whatever it Were was. Were you an only child? Yeah. Me too. So, okay, yeah. So then it's okay. Like, I think that's the best way to grow up because I'm never alone. I never have a problem of doing stuff by myself. Exactly, yeah, because you just, you were used to that yeah. kind of thing. I love it, as a matter of fact. I remember I went to see uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, yeah. And there was the high school, well, actually junior high school bully. It was this guy called Chuck Fontaine. Okay. If you're listening, Fontaine, if I ever see you, I'm going to turn around and run screaming. By the way, you. Chuck Fontaine is the best bully name I've ever heard. <laughs> Chuck Fontaine. Isn't that great? Yeah. yeah, that's a great name. Yeah. So he happened to be sitting a couple rows behind me, and I remember if I was by myself, but when, I, when Spock died, there yeah. were some tears. Yeah, I was of crying. Course you have to. You're not human if you don't. Now, die. the next day, now, yeah, sure. Try having the nickname, You Cried When Spock Died, for oh, the next three or four years. That. No matter what you were doing, you could be the you coolest cried when Spock died. cried when Spock died. I'm oh. like, oh, but it's Spock. But that's Do you so, have no soul? Oh, that's amazing. That's like <laughs> such a specific and beautifully, like, it cuts you down in so many ways. A, that you cried. B, that you're watching Star Trek. It really it's like, it's a perfect, like... Way to go, Chuck Fontaine. You did it. But had, had fate stepped in, and maybe if I was sitting a couple rows behind Chuck, maybe I would have seen him cry. Yeah. But then I couldn't have got it over, though, because he was still the bully. You know, <laughs> you know I could have said he cried, he would have punched me, and that would have been it, right? One of the best moves I ever made on my own bully in school was he was behind me. Uh, you know, in class, he'd be in these rows, these long rows. And he said something in class that was kind of like a... 
whatever, dicky, bully thing. And it was in the middle of class. And you know when if you hit it, an insult right in the middle of class, everyone laughs. And then you're like, <laughs> yeah, oh, the I'm the of it, shit. Yeah. So, like, this kid did it. And like uh, when probably one of the coolest, most karate-esque moves I've ever had, you know, I'm, fa- I'm facing forward, you know. So, and I just, like, my torso spun around with my hand open to a slap. And I was like, whoop, just slapped him right in the face in front of everybody. And it's like, like, turn right back around. And the shock of a slap. A slap is arguably, I think, the most aggressive thing you can do to somebody sometimes. Yes. And, it, and it was like, it just shut him up and he never bothered me again. Because it was like, that insult was one thing. But it was like, that insult came out. I turned around and it was like, just right across the face. Didn't say a word. Back to class. I don't even think I got in trouble. It's the cheapest move. If someone ever slaps you, yeah. you have to do something. Oh, yeah. If you don't, you're the biggest pussy in the world. My wife and I were at uh, a bar one day. And, and we were going out to get dinner. And, you know, the problem with bars on Sundays, in my opinion, is you don't know what you're going to get. If you show up at 6 o'clock on Sunday or 7 o'clock at a bar, you're running into people who've been there probably since noon. It's a day drunk. It's a, right. you know, it's like it's a, everyone has that free excuse to drink on a Sunday, and, uh, and which is fine. No judgment against it. But it's just a trickier uh, proposition because you don't know what the energy you're walking into. So we're getting a drink at the bar before we went to go get food, and... Uh, my wife sits down in this chair, and we hear from across the room like, "Hey, get the f- out of my chair!" And we turn and we see this guy who kind of, in in no offense to Wilmer Valderrama, looks like Wilmer Valderrama. Uh, <laughs> Nothing uh, against you. Will. Yeah, I know. I just like, but to get a visualization, of what this guy looked like, he wasn't like uh, like a giant. He was just like, you know, he, that's what he looked like. Yeah. And uh, he was wearing a scarf, and he was like, yeah, and uh, we turn around, and he's like, "Get that." bitch out of my chair and I was like oh boy and now again it's it's early on a Sunday it's like I'm not in this space I like this and by the way I live on the east side in LA and it was like one of these bars that is like this shouldn't be happening I'm not going to like a a bar where there are fights going Compton or something no this is a place where they have like a cauliflower sides like you know we're (laughs) we're uh, we're not like you know it's like yeah we have french fries but it's different it's you know it's it's not real fries and it's not it's not fried um, and so, you know, he's like threatening the two of us. Uh, and, you know, now I don't know what to do because, and I, I'm sure you get in this position too, or you, it's a nerve wracking position. Have you gotten into in a fight when you've been older? Like, like in a real, like in a real fight? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's very uncomfortable when it's brewing at this point. Exactly. And you don't want to do, I feel like what I don't want to do is anything because, uh, because it's like, I feel A, too old to be in a fight and B, I feel like now we're at the age in our lives where you could have a lot like no matter what someone can a sue you or a death exactly like when you're in high school you're in a fight it ends you're done yes. now if you get in a fight when you get in your thirst someone's getting stabbed shot run over there's something bad shit can go right. down like right. and I'm always on like I fought a bunch in high school but I'm in the I, I'm in the, the camp of just like walk away. Who care? Walk away. But this guy's getting like aggressive. But they and also called your wife a bitch. Too. I that know. That's the line as well. It's trick, and it's a tricky. It's a tricky thing because you're just in this, and you're intent. You just don't know what to do. And I, and you know, it's like you get into that Terminator mode. You're like, all right, if this is gonna go down, this is what I'm looking at here. You're like, you know, what? Hit what can this, I move do? That, do this. Exactly. Sherlock Holmes. And, exactly. And I'm like, and I'm not, uh, you know, uh, a guy who's gonna do like. A Moves or MMA, I can't do like fucking. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna 
probably fight dirty and hard. And, like, that's the only way that's going to go down for yeah. me. Uh, and I'm getting so, like, you know, it's, it's getting more and more intense. And, uh, and my wife, in the middle of this, like, back and forth, just slaps this guy across the face. The slap again. The slap. And it just stopped everything. It, like, everything was, like, simmering. And then... For my wife to hit him, like there, he can't do anything, right? And it just stopped. It was like he was embarrassed. I felt the whole bar heard the slap, and it, just, and then he kind of just stormed out, and that was the end. And it was like the only time I was like, man, the slap sometimes can do really good wonders. I was like, I really like saved this very precarious, scary moment from uh, from escalating, you know. But you also know too that that girls never forget. So at some point, somewhere, I she's know. Like, oh yeah, remember that time I had to slap that guy to I protect know. him from you, <laughs> protect well, you from him. Well, we've talked we've talked about it because it's like a very crazy thing. Like, what do you do? Like, what do you do as an adult in a situation where you just don't know, like like we we're in L.A. There was an epidemic here in the '90s where people were just taking guns and shooting right. at people out the window. It's like crazy how like, do you know what someone's gonna have you don't know what you're walking into like what craziness like high school fine we're all pretty much on the same page yeah. you know but uh, but yeah in real life you don't know what insanity you could that's why i always loved the fighting and hockey right yeah because you're fighting in hockey and then the worst thing that happens is you fall to the ground and the refs break you up and it's done exactly you're finished Baseball too. Baseball becomes this like weird scrum. It's almost like we were there too. We were there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, feel like you ever guys see are jumping on the pile. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you never see anyone walk away from a baseball fight. It's just really like <laughs> yeah. a big wrestling like uh, yeah, like a thing. Yeah, it's like, but yeah, it's a yeah. The slap is uh, that that could I advocate the slap. And then look, they made a whole TV show about it with Zach Quinto, right? The slap. <laughs> <laughs> See, they knew. Yeah, they, they knew. knew. They knew the power of the slap. <laughs> now, you mentioned earlier, talking about TV shows. You mentioned that you uh, would watch different soaks and and, yeah. and and those type of shows. What were your favorite? What was your favorite back in those days? Well, I remember my favorite show was uh, I love Good Times, and I especially loved Sanford and Son. Mm. And Sanford and Son was banned by my parents because my parents came into my room one day and it was like almost like the way you would approach a kid. Uh, with like a drug problem or something, like we want to talk to you. I was like, okay, and I'm young. I'm like very young, like six or five or six or seven. And you know, and they're like, we think that Sanford and Son promotes negative black stereotypes, and we don't want you to watch it. So they took away my favorite. Like, I don't know why I loved it so much. It's like, but it's like as a kid again, it was the only option. Like as a five or six year old, I shouldn't have any connection to Sanford and Son. I don't even know what I was like. I watched episodes later on, and it's a good show. But it's like I have no idea what the five year old version of that. Like, yeah, what, what am I getting from this? Yeah, like, yeah. I like these two people in a junkyard, and this, <laughs> right. and then like this guy promising his wife is going to come to her in heaven like I'd, like you know so making death every show yeah so i mean that was like the show that i love that was kind of banned but i would say uh different strokes and silver spoons hold like a very high mm, level you know standard. alpha but those are the ones i love because it just seemed like shows with kids as the leads are, are the best always I mean, were the winner that's the thing is that i used to love different strokes yeah and i still you think to like the the, the fates of those kids yeah like all of them like how bad was mr drummond as a as an on-air parent like what's <laughs> happening there right oh my gosh there's so like that is the most uh, across the board messed up cast uh, one of my favorite like side different stroke stories is 
uh, Gary Coleman. I'm obsessed with Gary Coleman, or okay. was, because uh, there's something so bizarre about him. I remember like watching him on Sally Jesse Raphael, dressed as a train conductor. This is like post different strokes, you know, <laughs> talking about his love of trains. And and as a kid, he dressed as a conductor. Oh yes, like as a like, teenager, like older than a teenager. I think because I feel like he was like 20 on that show, or no, he was like you know not that old. But but there was something that I remember like. You know, certain things get burnt into your head, and you don't, you don't know why. And I just think of my childlike brain, it was like, this is wrong. I don't know why it's wrong, but I know this is wrong. Mm-hmm. And just thinking of a, a man or, an, a, like, or a teenager dressed as a train conductor <laughs> on Sally Jesse Raphael <laughs> actively talking about trains. And he's not, this is way after the show has yeah, been yeah. over. He's not promoting anything. Not he's promote- just like, I love trains. It, that was it. And so... Years later, I had watched this Arsenio Hall clip, and I, oh, again, burnt into my head. And he's talking about, he's like, oh, I got a new look now, I got a new look. He's like, oh, you look styling, you look styling. And he goes, yeah, this is my, this is my, my, la- my outfit to get the ladies. And then Arsenio's asking him a bunch of questions, a bunch of questions, and he's like, uh, so wait, do you get a lot of ladies, Gary, at, you know, during different strokes? And he's like, well, no, Arsenio, I couldn't because uh, AIDS was out, and women didn't want to come out and have sex during AIDS. So I had to, like, I, you know, it took me a while before I could get in there. And I what? remember, like, this talk of AIDS being the thing that cut into Gary Coleman's game. <laughs> and I'd always been obsessed with this story. <laughs> and, you know, and there's, like, quotes in this thing where he's like, you know, he's like, who are you dating right now? He's like, well, um, I can't say names because there are quite a few. You know, like, really and then, coy and, and sexual. AIDS. And then the AIDS. So I was always obsessed with that and uh, as a matter of fact that made me do this thing I did called Arsurio Paul where I recreated that Arsenio Hall re- um, what did you do? I recreated Arsurio Paul. Paul I recreated the my favorite episodes of Arsenio Hall and we did them improvised and verbatim so I had Seth Rogen playing Gary Coleman in that one I dug that one up and you can see them all on, on YouTube so what are some of the other classic Arsenio oh, uh, the fact you've analyzed the classic oh, episodes of Arsenio the ones that I could find well the one that I never was able to do was Ike Turner. Ike Turner was amazing because Ike Turner's on there and he's like, no, they found cocaine in your house and you've been arrested five times for cocaine. And he's like, all right, all right, let me say three of those times. Yes. The other two, no. Um, but, and he was like de- actively defending how, like, yes, three times yeah, I did have times, it. Yeah. Well, the other time it was my son. And, and you know, and, and then, like, I think Arsenio was trying to do a little bit of a harder-hitting interview. He's like, you know, uh, in, in uh, Tina Turner's book, she says, you hit her. And he was like, yeah, the bitch deserved to be hit. Like, he, he, he like, said that. Yes, is he back on that, in that level? And that's what I was so fascinated by with Arsenio. Is he want, like... He, there was no publicist, or there was no like. I feel like right. you know, like you weren't watching it the next day. There was no internet. Like you could say it, and if you didn't see it, it never happened. It disappears. Like Halle Berry is like ridiculing the person who came in first place in a beauty contest that she lost. He's like, now she's divorced and living in a trailer. I'm like, honey, hold on. You're <laughs> Halle Berry. You're a movie star. Let's not take it easy on the person <laughs> who came in first place. You're doing fine. Right, you need to like yeah. snipe. That could be the biggest moment of her life. Give her that. Exactly. You know? Right. So I, I kind of found my favorite clips, and that you know, it's Gary Coleman there. Uh, there was one with Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell, where again, Rosie O'Donnell is talking about the men that she likes, and Madonna's like really pimping her out into that. 
And then there was um, Steven Seagal, who clearly seemed like he was having an abusive relationship with his wife. Like, no, your wife wasn't at that premiere. He's like, no, I don't let her come out on rainy nights. It's like, whoa. Like, what is, is Kelly going on? LeBrock? Was he yeah, Kelly to LeBrock at that You're point. You're mistreating Kelly LeBrock. You must destroy him. There are so many bizarre things. Like, he interviewed NWA, and they were in, like, hockey masks. Like, he did so much crazy stuff, like Tupac Shakur talking about why everyone should smoke weed and not do cocaine. Like, so we, we recreated all of those. And then to circle back to Gary Coleman, the thing that was so fascinating by that Gary Coleman thing stuck in my head was years later, right before he died, it came out he was a virgin until he got married. Which was, and this was probably 2013, 2014. And that... Arsenio clip was in the early 90s so like it's crazy to be like I'm always fascinated like wow what he's such a fascinating character because he was like America's kid but then he had this you know uh, growth thing where he wasn't bigger so he was always viewed as a kid but then he is like playing with trains and now he's then trying to up his image and be like yeah no I a lot of girls, but then it's like he doesn't, and and his reasons for not having sex were bizarre. Like, so it was like yeah. I am I am fascinated by Gary Coleman. I, I remember to Arsenio, and, and to think back, if you, if you don't know, he, that show was so popular. Yeah, like it was the show. It was probably it, more popular than the Tonight Show. Well, and because it it also was for an audience that wasn't watching the Tonight Show. It right. was like. It was what I mean for me. It was like that's what I wanted to watch. You had Eddie. He had Eddie Murphy on. He had NWA on. After the riots, he had the Bloods and the Crips on. Like he was doing crazy, yeah, crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember he would always have WWE guys on, wrestlers on, but oh, they yeah. always had to wear their costume. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'd be on wearing like you know spandex shorts and like you know r- ribbons around the arms. Well, which is so we strange. did. I did the Ultimate Warrior on That's Arshirio right. Paul. Yeah, so I had Arshirio. I had uh, Rob Hubel play the Ultimate Warrior. We played Rob Hubel, uh, Rob Hubel yeah. and it's. I mean that that interview is amazing because I almost feel like Ultimate Warrior and again RIP. Uh, it, it was not making any like because he was like our, our scene is trying to interview him like and I felt like his character was just fleshed out enough for sound bites but not for a full <laughs> interview like like he was saying some stuff was like the this star- has gone off the rails the now. stars come from the sky <laughs> and fall upon the world and you're it like, was making yeah, me man. laugh so hard um, I actually got to go on the new Arsenio as the old Arsenio so I went dressed up as Arshirio and he interviewed me and he didn't even understand what was going on so I am on his new couch dressed as him we are doing it it was one of my favorite did you do, moments. A, did you do an impersonation I mean an impersonation not really like it's just me dressed it's like it, I wouldn't be like hey here's my impression of it like it just yeah, is like yeah, yeah. I think all together it's like a lot of just like nodding the head and a lot of yes yes alright now tell me about this and the dog pound that was oh, easy the dog pound it's so like there's so much I mean yeah but that show had so many it's everybody hit injury. Jason Voorhees, the killer from Friday the 13th, <laughs> who just never spoke and just raised the knife when Arsenio asked too many crazy questions. But at least like, he was trying, right? Oh, yeah. I remember Nelson was on at the beginning of the show. He had the, he lit the guitar on fire like Hendrix, yeah. but he had a big blonde wig on. Oh, so he was doing the Hendrix bit the, yeah, with the fire coming up but with the blonde wig on because Nelson was coming on. Yeah. It was very strange with the black man with the blonde wig yeah, lighting yeah. from Nelson, you know? Oh, he that's so all those funny. Things to try. Well, it's like I feel like, again, it was, you know, now there's so many talk shows, but yeah. that was like the one that was. It just, I mean, it just captured an audience that was just different, and, and I think really supported people that you wouldn't see on talk shows, like Jean Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. Like, was no one really in when he first started doing appearances? It was sort of like he's a second tier talk show. So you get all these 
quote unquote like second tier guests, but those are the ones that kind of became these way right. bigger they celebrities. They had their chance, so they became big. Did you yeah. ever see the SNL bit, the Arsenio Bankman show? Oh, wait, what Rob was Lowe, Rob Lowe was oh, Arsenio. Oh, no. And you know, Arsenio had really long fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they gave Rob like these really long hands. That's and it was, yeah, it was actually a pretty good bit, you know. Um, are you an SNL fan as well? I am, yeah, for sure, for sure. From like what eras? Uh, I guess like I, I feel pretty versed until, ma- like, I mean, I started off Nick at Night, so I, I was very much in, in Don Murray and Dan Aykroyd, but then my, my core cast was probably Sandler, Farley, Spade, like that grouping, that Chris guy, Rock, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I've watched until now, you know, but it, um, but, the, but that, uh, the one that I also love is the Eddie Murphy years, even though it's not a Lauren Michaels thing. I loved Eddie Murphy as a kid. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. the best. So I always used to watch for him. Him and Billy Crystal and all those. That was a great when they brought in Crystal, Martin Short. Yeah, those guys. Are, guess, that was a, that was a great, great year. Whatever yeah, it like was, yeah. one year of. Yeah, it seemed like, you, you seem like the type of guy that would that would try and audition for SNL. Did you I did. I did. Uh, I auditioned four times for SNL, no way. which is really crazy. Are you from New York? I am from New York. Okay. So I was uh, with the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, right. which is Amy Poehler, Matt Besser, Matt, Ro- um, Matt Washington, Roberts. and um, we were there, and, and Lauren Michaels had his first like ever SNL like showcase show, and so they asked me to come in after that, and you got to audition on the main stage with 8H. You're in that center spot and it's it is one of the craziest things i realized the other day i auditioned with kevin hart my first time i auditioned it was me kevin hart and amy poehler in three dressing rooms right next to each other wow because they bring you in and they treat you like uh, a cat like they treat you like a cast when you come in or it was so cool to me so my uh, you come in they put you in a cast member's dressing room and and then they let you sit for a long time like I think I got there at 3 and I didn't audition until like 8 mm-hmm. you know and uh, and you're in that room and what you learn because it's it's sort of a sociological experiment I think you're in that room and there's a TV there and you put on TV and TV is like an NBC it's in 30 Rock so you can watch what's going on on the news you can watch you know whatever it is cause they have a lot of live feeds but if you keep on flipping around the channel you'll get to the SNL main stage auditions so you oh. could start to watch other people. Now the question is, do you psych yourself out? Are you watching? So I remember, like, and, and, and you know it's just it's running live. Anyone in the building could be watching the SNL auditions. Wow. So that was like a crazy thing. And just knowing that you had the power to watch anybody else. But at that point, is it too late to change it? What do you do? You know, and then you get brought down, and similarly to the exiting the bathroom with no eye contact, or the best <laughs> we ever way, the same way, like they they bring you down into, if you've ever watched SNL, like they kind of go out into that that uh, like a receptionist area, like yeah. you know, like so then you're you're in that hallway and you're just looking at the walls full of every like cast and all these a picture of every host I think is yes. on the wall on a frame. Yes, exactly. You see everybody, and it's like, and you're in it's and anyone who watches SNL, it's like the most hallowed hallway. Yes. It, it it's it's awesome, you know. It, it's it, and I think all of it is serving to psych you out and psych you up, you know, because it's like the stakes are just continually being raised. Like you know, you're in a cast dressing room, then you're in the hallway, and then they walk you into the 8H stage, and it's completely dark. And I, I had a very nice experience with Lauren Michaels. Like I got up on the the, the home base, and they're miking you, and you know there's all the cameras there. And the only thing that, that was different for me was there was no chairs, so it was it was just the stage, the band, no band, but like the band area. The band would play. Yeah, yeah and um, 
and you're there and he came up and he was like you know do you need anything do you have any questions and I said no and he said alright great and, you know, and I actually said I was like you know yeah, kind of a table to put my stuff down on my props you know and he was like Oh yes, he's like, and he got mad. He's like, Michael, get, get this guy, get him a pro. I'm like, oh, you know, you know, you know. And then you get it, and then you stand on 8H, uh, you stand on the stage, and they count you down. Like the director's there, and they're going to count you down. So it's like five, four, three, two, one. The red lights and the cameras go on, and the director is like holding up his fingers in the air, waiting because then your name comes on the screen, the date comes on the screen, and then it's like point at you and go. So it's like. You are essentially doing live television right, yeah. for your audition, and it, and and then again, it's there to psych you out. Can when that red light turns and you go in, are you going to be able to do the job? Uh, and that was to me the coolest thing about the the audition process. It was just like I got to perform. You know, I didn't get to be on SNL, but I got to be on that stage. And then I was brought back the following year, and they did a crazier way of doing an audition. The following year, they brought everybody together and they should improvise together which is you know SNL is all about trying to be the singular person that gets right. picked out now you're in a group of eight people all who want that same slot all dudes there was no women and it's it was hard I had like a lot and then you know so I went a few times I'm thankful I never got that because I got to do my own sketch show but it was like uh, you know, and I think SNL, you got to really put in your time. Whereas, well, when, when you're doing an audition, though, how much time do you get? What's the was there? A, uh... You know, it's pretty loose. It, 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 it's not like the way that it was presented to me was three and three. You know, three characters, three impressions. But if you're really good at impressions, do eight impressions and two gotcha. characters. You know, I think what they want to do is see you. And and again, with a lot of things too. You know, I think as I've gotten more and more into this business, you realize it has very little to do with what you're doing in the moment. And it's more about like a very general sense of a lot of things. It's like, okay, he looks roughly the right way. Uh, you know, and if you're not f***ing up, if you're not like falling off the stage, you know, and you're not terrible, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you exist in this, you exist in this weird middle ground where it's just sort of like, right, well, we have a, a fat guy. Oh, well, we have sure. this guy. You know, like what? We need a black you, guy. Yeah, Spanish exactly. Guy, right. Yeah. So you're just like... You get so like, there, you know. Now as I get older, I'm like, there, there's a freedom in in knowing that, but it's also, you know, it's just like what I I know that uh, I had a friend who worked with Lauren Michaels, and actually now I've met a few people, and I did make it very close to the end. Like uh, I think it was down between me and someone else, and and it was and the way it was presented to me, and I remember the story so clear is like. We were like, who do we go? Who do we get? Like, you know, Lauren's like, who do you think? Who do you think? And, and, they're like, and there was a pretty evenly split. No one could kind of figure out the right between Sheer and the other yeah, guy. Yeah, and the other guy. And, uh, and, and he was like really ta- wrestling with it. And, uh, and it was a one night at dinner, apropos of nothing. They're all sitting around. And like, we'll, we'll hire him. We'll hire the other guy. You know, and that, and that was it. And, and, and that was, was on his instinct on or? his instinct in the middle of a dinner that had they were not talking about they were doing, and then that's how easy it came, it kind of came and went and uh, my last time I auditioned for SNL was more of a mic it was my birthday and I was um, called in come meet Lauren he's our nosy but come and talk to him 
get there at like three and they go, Lauren's running eight hours behind. <laughs> like, eight hours. And they're like, go, uh, why don't you, I, I go, well, can I go home? I live, I lived on 50th and 8th and this is like 30 Rock is like 49th Street. I'm like, I could, I could be home and I could, I come back in five hours. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I could still yeah. wait three hours. Like, no, no, he wants you to wait in the building. It was my birthday too. So, um, I'm waiting in the building until like 1130, you know, and it was a fun day. Do you think day. that was another mindset? I, it was. It was. Yeah. And, and I don't think. I don't know if it's intentional. I think it's like everything runs on Lauren's clock. It's his show, and he'll get to you when he's going to get to you. But it's not a minute before, and it's he's not worried that you're there. Right. And everyone is worried that you are that if you're not like he could go at one point like the same way he was at that dinner and going we'll pick that other guy. He could go. Oh. uh Let's let's meet with Paul right now, and they have to be ready on a moment's yeah, notice. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah. that's the type of person he is. So I don't think it's, I don't think that he is in I any way that. a bad guy. Uh, I think he's just sort of like on his whim, what he wants, when he wants it, and you have to be ready for it. And I, and, and I think good bosses, not good bosses, but I think, you know, some bosses are just not a, you know, they, that's the way it runs, and that was it. So I was there until like eleven, and had a sat down in his office with him, talked to him for like. 20 minutes and he was like let's come back come back tomorrow night and hang out with us it's that was friday and it was going to be saturday so i went to snl on saturday night we got treated really well hung out with the writers went on the stage rode in a limo to the after party they're like what do you think about the show i'm like i think this i think that great 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 and then at the after party i got bought this really i i I'm forgetting right now, but it's like Johnny Walker, like blue, I guess, is like the really expensive. I remember that because I was like, oh, I couldn't afford that. It's, you know, in New York, as poor as shit. And, and I got this Johnny Walker blue, and I was feeling, well, I may be working at SNL. It's going to be pretty crazy. And, uh, and one of the producers came up to me in the middle of the party and he goes, hey, we decided not to hire you. And that was it in the You're middle kidding. of the party. And, uh, and that was, and You're that kidding. was it. You'd think after four auditions and all this kind of cow time, they'd yeah. just give you a shot. Yeah. A featured player or something. Yeah. Well, you know, but it was, and like I said, it worked out for the best for me because then if I got on SNL, it, I'm sure, who knows what my experience right, right, would have right. been, you know? But I know that because I didn't, I got to go meet up with Aziz and Rob and we got to make our He's show. Giant. Yeah. And, yeah. We, and, then, and that, I think, has given me more than. SNL could have just because I got to start making my own stuff and I think that's become like a, a bigger narrative in my sure, career sure, and also honestly I feel like I fully cooked a little bit more at in New York like you got to perform more like it's like in SNL you could pluck you and, 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 and then that's it your formative years are kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. stopped because you're just sort of now I'm over here whereas I got to perform like five six nights a week every week really and do a bunch of basically go to graduate school yeah. for acting and comedy and, and be surrounded by all these amazing people I uh, did a, a SNL movie called MacGruber, and oh, one of the best! Yeah, yeah it's just so ridiculous. Met, met yeah. Lauren on set, and I couldn't believe how much she sounded like Doctor Evil. It, I, I always said like I never had a Lauren impression until I met him, and then when you meet him, it's instant. Like it's, you're like, oh, here it is. Like it's ready to go. I, it's like that is so Doctor Evil. But yeah, he doesn't want anybody. He doesn't like that. No, of course yeah. not. Yeah, like but he's got it. such a you know distinctive voice, and you know oh. it's a very like weird. We decided weird. not to hire you <laughs> in like, the middle of the party. My biggest fun <laughs> up with him was like he said to me, he's like, um, so do you have any questions for me? And I said, uh, you know, after this twenty-minute long interview, and and uh, and I was like, no, not really. And he goes, really? 
30 years in TV and you don't have a question? And I was like, oh, I have up. I was like, I was like, everyone's like, don't, like, everyone was like, don't ask him questions. Don't do this. Don't put him on the spot. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like, yeah, I could keep talking your ear off all night if I wanted to. And he was like, of course, of course you could. Okay, great. You know, but he's like, and I do think like he is a guy who is a champion of talent. He's definitely found amazing sure. talent continually and an interesting guy. But wow, McGruber, that's a great distinction because that's a, I, I think that's one of the best SNL movies. If like that and Wayne's World to me are the, you know, but McGruber is one that I think is an underrated one though too. It's in, it's funny. I was, I was actually literally thinking in my head for the last five minutes, we got to talk about SNL movies and you bring it up. Yeah. But um, I think McGruber, and it's funny because Yorma Tacone, who is yeah. the director, he called it when we were saying, he said, this will not be a hit in the theaters. It'll be a hit for years to come as a cult movie. Yeah. And that's kind of where it's gone. He was right, because I think he did like four million box office first I, week. I think the problem with that movie has nothing to do with the movie. It had to do with SNL. Because it came after years of Superstar and It's Pat and Ladies Man and, you know, and the between Wayne's... And, and even Stuart Stavis' family, like, from Wayne's World to that... There was a C, a Night at the Roxbury, like all these like movies. A Mango movie or something. Yeah, there's there all this chipmunk guy. Or yeah, was there? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like there's all these shitty movies, and it's, you just it, when you heard it was an SNL movie, you just assumed it was shitty. And I've heard that Stuart Saves' family is really funny, and I've heard that Superstar, excuse me, is really good. But it's like it was just branded as shit. Right, you don't even want to see it because you yeah. know the track record is so awful. And I think MacGruber had the double hit of that's a dumb way to make a movie because MacGruber was so stupid but short on the show and right. so great. But like to go like they're making that into a movie yeah. and it's so not that it's it's the smartest version of it. It's so funny, but I feel like that's why no one even went to go see it. I feel like it wasn't even like it wasn't like. It was people like no to SNL yes. and no to that idea. It was like, but without any thought of what it actually was. It was done before it even started. Exactly. Of the, of the group that it was prepared in. And now, meanwhile, if that was never existed on SNL and it was a thing, yeah. you would, it would I think it would have been a, a bigger hit. It just, it's a really funny movie. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal... And when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You mentioned some some really bad movies, and I'm actually a fan of your podcast. Oh, yeah. How, how did this get made? Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine told me about it a couple months ago, and I finally checked it out. I mean, it's a great idea. You talk about just really yeah. bad movies, and you watch them. And yeah. You kind of pull a mystery science theater. And, and yeah, we just kind of talk about these movies. We kind of unpack them, and the way we always kind of view it is we always have, like, on one of our friends, me, Jason, and June, my wife, and... Uh, oh, that's your wife? That's my wife, oh, yeah. Oh, cool. That's cool. So, and we... It started very casually as just these are my friends that we go see movies with, and and you when you see something bad, you have to talk about it. It's the same way you talk about something that's good, but like um, it just became like a fun way to kind of to kind of look at these movies and go, what what happened? And you know, we're all three of us are all writers and producers, and some of us are directors, and you know, so we're all and we're all actors. So yeah, we've all been on multiple sides of this coin, and I think can have empathy for. 
like, oh, gosh, what went wrong here? And how did this happen? Like, you know, it, so, yeah, it becomes a real question of, like, what is going on? And the thing that I kind of like how the show is kind of grown is we treat the characters like real people. Like, why would that character ever do that? Like, you know, it's like, yes. it's less about, like, the acting and the directing. It's much more about, like, plot points. Like, what is going on? And trying to really, unpack that. Uh, really uh, interesting, diverse, uh, intricate discussions. Like, I, I, I the first one I listened to is Sleepaway Camp, one of my oh, all-time favorites. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When God. you guys were kind of going through, like, the sexuality of the parents, and is this a gay guy waiting at the dock yeah, right, you know, for the dad? And I was like, man, you guys are spending a lot of time on this. And it was starting to freak me out because I'm trying to, like, where are they at? I don't, yeah, we, like, I we never were, got this. We uh, that I mean, that's the kind of the beauty of the show. Like, well, sometimes it's like, like spend like twenty minutes on a scene. Like that was like the first scene of the movie <laughs> has nothing to do yeah. with anything else. But it's like there was a, a thing in the movie Judge Dredd with uh, Stallone where, like Rob uh, Schneider hides in a robot, and when they open up the robot. It was a garbage robot, but we couldn't tell if it was running on food or if it was like food in like a spaghetti robot. We just couldn't. I, like, they are, I love getting caught up in those like dumb discussions. It's just sometimes it becomes the most fun. How rolling. do you choose the movies that you do? You know, uh, I, I do a lot of early on. I did a lot of the picking of it and try to do it. Now I have these two um, kind of interns, researchers who That's help me because. What I what the the line that you walk is, is it bad or is it good bad? And there's a difference. Like sure. bad bad, it's not really that fun to talk about. And it's like you want to find something that is engaging or has things that are gonna be worthy of conversation. Yes. And you know, I think a great example of it is uh, for us, like Last Airbender, was a movie that I think we genuinely thought this is a bad movie, but it's not. It's not. Uh, horribly acted it's not horribly directed it's just a bad movie it's yeah. they and there's nothing fun about like a bad like just a bad movie I want right. it to be like Tom Selleck fighting robots against you know uh, oh, like Gene, Gene Simmons, Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I want you know it's like and, and it just becomes a way more interesting conversation you know, poor so. Tom Selleck just he never got the movie no, you know he, he was in a couple and he just never made it work to think like he could have been Indiana Jones is that true that was the whole thing he couldn't get out of Magnum you know, wow. and Pierce Brosnan at the time couldn't get out of Remington Steel to be James Bond. You're kidding? And then he came back many yeah. years later. But it was like, but those were like those weird contracts where it's just like, wow, what would it? Have, what you know, if if Pierce Brosnan was James Bond instead of Timothy Dalton, would the franchise would have been invigorated? I think it would have probably been invigorated because he would have, so. you know. Uh, but Remington I think Steel was James Bond, basically. Yeah. And I think that, uh, and I feel like Timothy Dalton, while I like him, he's probably the most unmemorable Bond yeah, to the me. Most you know, boring for lack of a better term. Yeah, and you know? and so it's like, it's a weird, it's weird. It's just like you know, it's how the twist of fate. You think of those things because I remember uh, actually the, you can see some clips of him back to the future. Eric oh, Stoltz yeah. is the original Marty McFly, and that to me feels like that's a movie that is not good. Like that, Back to the that well, no, with Eric Stoltz. Oh, yeah, like yeah. you know, but with Michael J. Fox, it's a classic that will forever live. And that's and what made it because of his eye, his performance I is so, so great. And you know, when when I read stuff about, I just was reading an article about the Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly. It's like they were like, it's not. He's not doing a bad job. He's just not being funny either. Like you know, and it's like, and I think he was treating it like a like a drama. He was he was he was method. And he would make people call him Marty on set. Oh, it's really, really like <laughs> crazy. And um, yeah, so like, it's funny though. Like, the, but like, would 
Indiana Jones be Indiana Jones if it wasn't Harrison Ford, if it was Tom Selleck? I don't know. Would he have kept the mustache? I mean, yeah. Look, I mean, that, right. I mean, it's so like you just don't know how you know what what the right part is for the right person at the right time, and it's a huge thing, or you know, or it's not. You and know, how, how bad would that be if this has ever happened to you, like with Eric? I think they actually shot for a couple of weeks and then shot he gets for a long fired. Time. Like, oh, that'd be so bad, right? They, I mean, they have so much footage of him as Marty McFly. It's like they shot the part, they shot the, the Twin Pines parking lot, they shot stuff with the mom, they shot, they shot a lot of stuff with him. And I think they were like three weeks into production, or three or four weeks into production, and they, I just read this article on Vulture website, and it's just like a very disheartening thing. It was like, we had to fire him, and we knew that Michael J. Fox was waiting in the wings, and... And, you know, Michael J. Fox was pulling, like, double duty, working on Family Ties and this simultaneously. I think it was, like, Family Ties during the day, straight to the set. Yeah. You know, in Santa Probably doing cocaine, you know. Nah. <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah, the 80s. And, like and drinking water, you yeah. cocaine. Is yeah. what you did. And, and I feel like, you know, but it, it's, a, it's such a kind of oddly iconic performance. But then you look at, like, Michael J. Fox, who I think is one of the funniest, like, sitcom actor, like, multicam. I saw him when he did Spin City. They shot in New York. And... I went to go see a taping of Spin City, and I, I never, I remember going like, holy shit, he is like gifted on another yeah. level of working that medium. It was like, like no one, was just pitch perfect in every little detail, and I think he's amazing in Back to the Future, but he never really had a like fully fledged movie career. I mean, he made like Light yeah. of Day and My Secret of My Success, but it wasn't like Teen Wolf, but it's like... It was like he should have been a bigger star. He's arguably one of the biggest movies of all Absolutely. time. Absolutely, and a huge, huge hit. Yeah. So why didn't that continue? Maybe was was there a dramatic side that he didn't have? Maybe who knows? Because right. it's like, but you could, certainly people who are comedic. You know, I, he did all that shit on Family Ties, but it's like maybe it's the time of the, the the launch too. It's like now it's much more acceptable to have somebody go from movies to TV and TV to movies. Right. There's no thing, but maybe back then it was like he's a TV star, and that's maybe I don't know. That's or he just picked, guys from, or he you know? picked three shitty movies and then didn't work. Whereas George Clooney kind of picked three shitty movies like The Peacemaker. Batman and Robin and something else I remember like early on like maybe one fine day or something (laughs) and you know and then not that they were shitty but they were not big and then and then he was allowed like a fourth and a fifth that became like three kings and then something else that was awesome and then he's George Clooney but like it just seemed like and Michael J. Fox I mean I guess Teen Wolf isn't a hit even though it seems like a hit to me it, it's more of a, of a legendary thing but maybe box office wise I don't think it was much of yeah. a hit you know but and so, that came up before Back to the Future right, right. but isn't Johnny Depp kind of the same at this point in time like when's the yeah. last blockbuster that Johnny Depp had well I mean Johnny Depp once he kind of I know people like give him shit for like I don't know if selling his soul but like when he did like the the Johnny Depp as Pirates of the Caribbean Jack Sparrow is like a multi-billion yeah. dollar franchise Iconic, but then yeah. yeah but now he but that but it's so funny to think of like the Johnny Depp that I kind of was in college with was Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man and these <laughs> movies that you had Gilbert to go to Grape, Andy Gilbert and, Grape yeah. like these like he wasn't doing the big movies and now like with Willy Wonka and and kind of those like it's like he's not doing like what people I think accuse Eddie Murphy of doing like, like taking these kids movies and doing the paycheck right. but it's like it was fun to see him in Black Mass even though I didn't really particularly care for Black Mass I was like he it's like oh yeah he's always he's great, great. He, always. And he, he's in great in Jack Sparrow like it's a fun yes. like, he's always good but it's weird it's like you just don't know like 
I want to see him do more because it's like he did that the mustache Mordecai and the tourist and it's like oh this is yeah, but that's, weird. He's got a lot of those and then the huge blockbuster of, of Lone Ranger and, and Taunt. Oh yeah, right. I just dies about that. and he was great in that. Yeah, he. I think that he always is doing something interesting, but you know, it's weird. I think it's a weird middle ground to find an actor who is as talented as he is because I think he is with good sense of like what a movie should be because I have a feeling he's looking at it purely from characters and he's like I want to play that character is that a good movie he may not know and is he doing he could be doing a great job in a shitty movie it just doesn't make a difference it's like if you're not in but Lone Ranger is like real like like, like I think if if he would have been the Lone Ranger people would have went to it yeah but he would never want to play the Lone Ranger he wants to play Tonto yeah which is crazy messed up uh, makeup and he looked great and he was so great but he's not the Lone Ranger so that kind of derailed it it's weird. It's it's a very like uh, I don't know. It's a, you know. It, it, I think it's if there was a formula for figuring it out, it's like it, it's just hard. You like you think. I think everything that I've ever worked on, you don't think it's going to be bad. Well, <laughs> you know, I would say. Well, I would say at least ninety percent of the time. Like you look like when you're there, you're like this is going to be good. Oh, this is going to be cool. And then sometimes you're there and you're like, oh, this is going to be shitty. But I would say most of the time everyone thinks they're working on something that's going to be pretty good. Right. They'll fix it the edit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, I don't know how that will work, but that I think this is going to be good. And Yeah, you just don't know. And I think when you become that big, maybe you're skewed about what people want to see or how people want to be perceived. I don't know. So you, and you're talking about bad movies with um, with how did this get made. What are the, what are like the worst, the worst, the worst to me, it's interesting because there's, there's like categories. Like uh, Sleepaway Camp is in a category which is amazing to me because it, it is so next level crazy. I mean, it is, but it's also like like there's no shame on them in Sleepaway Camp because it's like they tried to make their best movie and that's what they got. And yeah. there's and I think a movie like Jim Cotta falls into that. I don't know if you ever Ooh. saw Jim Cotta. It's it's like a it's, who was the star of that? A, a Olympian. An okay, Olympian yeah. like, like uh, gymnastics, or yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was like we're gonna make a like a karate movie, but instead of karate, the guy does gymnastics. So like the guy's running around this like Middle Eastern town, finding like reasons to do gymnastics. Like <laughs> you know, like a sawhorse is all of a sudden in the town square. Like you know, so like those are movies that I'm like obsessed with. Like you know that, and that's one side of it. But then there are movies on the other side that have all the money, all the time. Like the Batman and Robin, and and with George Clooney and Chris O'Donnell, and and uh, Schwarzenegger's in that too. Right? Oh yeah, Mister Freeze, yeah. yeah. And then there's like even more recently um, the Green Lantern movie, like with Ryan Reynolds. Oh yeah, that movie to me is is a perfect example of. I think Ryan Reynolds is doing a great job doing it, but they're trying to please too many people. It's like they call them like I, know, I didn't come up with this term, but it's a term like a four quadrant movie. It's like if you can bring your grandparents, you can bring your kids, you can bring your wife, you can bring your you know you can be every every quadrant is accounted for: men, women, old, young. It's like and whenever you try to do that, it's a mess because it's like. You're you're not making a movie for anyone. You're making a movie for everyone. All things, all people. Which exactly. Is a cluster. Yeah. And only the only people who can really do that well is Pixar. You know, I, or I, my, you know, or you know, it, like there's very few. The Gardens of the Galaxy squeeze yes. through, right? Exactly. Like yeah. right. And they, they're, they're these small holes that like, and then when they're there, you're like, oh, that's you know, Spielberg. I think for years had that thing of like, boom, that you yeah. know, it worked, and it's, uh, you know, so like those. Are, I think that's what people try to achieve, and if done, it's great. But if 
you know, but you have to rare. be, yeah, it's rare. It's, they, it's, yeah, I think the example is not that, you know, it's like, um, especially lately, you know, I mean, I think the Avengers makes a lot of money and all that sort of stuff. And Fast and Furious is like the big movie, but I, I still feel like they're different audiences in a way, you know, it's like, but like, you know, like a Pixar movie, you could bring literally the entire family to yeah. like inside out and everyone will be crying for different reasons, right, you know, right. at different times. But yeah, but, uh, but no, I mean, those are the movies that I love too. What were your favorite ones when you were growing up? Uh, for me, like uh, Ghostbusters is like a, a my favorite like so movie. Good. It's but so you know good. What's funny about Ghostbusters? Yeah. I just watched it with my kids the other day, and you'll watch yeah. it with yours. They are smoking. Oh yeah, right. The whole thing. All, like like uh, 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 Venkman, uh, what was it? Ackroyd's name? Uh, is Stance. Stance yeah, is yeah. fixing his car with a cigarette in his mouth. Like, not a good idea, Stance. No, it's like they're smoking. <laughs> there's ghost blowjobs in it. Like, and that's a PG movie. Yeah. Like, you know, and but it's funny. Like, I feel like you got to do so much crazier shit. Like, again, Back to the Future, one of my favorite all-time movies. And that movie is like you have Libyans like firing like this guy hanging out with like this young kid hanging out with this old man in a parking lot. Like there's some weird things yeah, there that yeah. would not get through and, and like the even the incesty stuff that's Mom's going got a on. Crush on you and yeah. grabs your you know, grabs your cock and everything. Yeah, it's like really bizarre and like Biff kind of raping her in the car. Yeah. Like it, it, it's good point. You know, and that's a PG movie. It's like that's you know, and I think, you know, I think we've, like, sanitized too much stuff because it's, like, I, I feel like that didn't affect me in a negative way. Like, mm-hmm. it just, you know, but it was, um, but, yeah, like, those are the movies that I grew up on, like, Uncle Buck and, like, you know, I love, but there are some really messed up things in all those movies that you're, like, you know, Uncle Buck smokes, too. Uncle Buck, like, drives with, like, a, a handle on the steering wheel so he doesn't have to use both hands and, you know, <laughs> like, chases after a kid who tried to have sex with his, like, niece. It's, like, it's a pretty, like, how crazy about Bad News Bears? Oh, Bad News Bears is like, Bad News Bears is really like, wow, like that was a kid's movie? How is that a kid's movie? And we watched it as kids. I I must have seen it 10 times by the time I was 10 years old. Well, that's it. It's like, like, we've become like more puritanical, oddly, in in society. It's like, I do believe it's like, that wasn't wrong until we said it was wrong. Like now that that movie... I mean, it would be R. It would. Well, I mean, you I know, mean, the, 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 the Mathos drinking while driving with all the kids in the car. Yeah. Which bad enough, but they're all sitting on the back of the convertible, like like sitting yeah. on the on the on the on the rooftop as they're driving. Uh, kid punches his son on the on the or the guy punches his son on the field. There's a bunch of racist stuff in there. Oh, or, worst and, line ever that Tanner says. If, yeah. if I said it right now, I'd get thrown off the podcast. Yeah, right. And it's like, and they have uh, what's his face up in the tree. The kid naked up in the tree. <laughs> like, it, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like there's so much the stuff. Drinking beer at the end. Hey, we think you suck. See you next year. And they start drinking yeah. beer. And like, hey, like let's but, drink beer. But that, like, to me, it's like then they try to remake it with uh, Billy Bob. Oof. And it was so watered down, and, and cut the cut the heart right out of it. Yeah, just like it, because know? it's like you can't make that movie. So why even try to make that movie? Because what's awesome about that movie is not that he's a curmudgeon. It was like it was inappropriate on every level. Yeah, and it, and then he kind of like co-opted these kids, and the kids are kind of yeah, bad news bears. And it's like yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really crazy. So what do you think about the new Ghostbusters with uh, all all the girls? Well. I am a huge fan of every one of those women. Kristen Wiig. Like Kristen Wiig. Uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. Kate McKinnon, who is, uh, I think, a genius on SNL. She's so funny. Oh, okay. Uh, Leslie Jones, who was on, actually, The League and is hilariously funny. Uh, my friend Neil Casey, 
who is a uh, is uh, in the movie as uh, the bad guy in it, or one of the bad guys in it, and he is one of the funniest performers ever. And I think Paul Feig has just created it, you know, this track record of making good stuff. And it's so crazy to me. I feel um, bad for him because the backlash of that is insane. Like, who gives a shit? Like, if he's making it with women, like. It like, but people are like, you destroyed the thing. It's like, no, no, no. Ghostbusters two destroyed Ghostbusters. Exactly. And, so bad. and that was with the original cast, right? You know, and it's like, so let somebody just it, like, no one owns Ghost. It's like funny people hunting ghosts. Fine, it's in. It's Ghostbusters by title, but that's all it is. And I, I'm looking at that not as part of my childhood. It's like I'm looking at that as like, all right, here's a funny director with a funny writer with funny performers making a movie that is I think now everything has to kind of be like that now it's like it's a remake it's a reboot it's a this yeah, of course. just to get people into the theater yeah. or whatever but it's not it doesn't wreck my childhood Ghostbusters is my childhood I could watch it any day of the week right like I don't need to watch I don't need to live I don't need to watch Paul Feig's ver- like the, the argument <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like to relive my childhood my, if I want to relive my childhood I'll watch that I'm excited as a fan of everyone in it to see what they do but it's they're not remaking yeah, Ghostbusters yeah, yeah. has yeah. there ever been a worse well, I'm sure there has been, but a worse sequel in Ghostbusters 2. I so mean, bad. It's a real mess. And, you know, it's, I, I did a movie with Harold Ramis, and he said something to me, that? Uh, year one, okay. uh, the Judd Apatow movie yeah. with uh, Michael Black, uh, sorry, Michael Sarah and uh, Jack Black. And he said something that was so good, because me and Michael were huge Ghostbusters fans, just love Ghostbusters. And we would, you didn't know, Harold was the type of guy that you didn't have to, like, pepper with questions. Like, he would sit back and tell you tell stories, you stories yeah. and they were great from Groundhog's Day to Ghostbusters to Stripes and Caddyshack like just sit back relax and listen to Harold talk and he, and, he, and he loved telling stories and so we were talking about Ghostbusters and he said to me something that I always remember and I tell this to everybody he's like Ghostbusters is a movie about guys trying to start a business not a movie about ghosts and and I was like, oh wow, you're totally right. That's the ghost is the business that they're starting, and that's a fun element of the movie. It's a great point. But they are guys that are trying to start a small business. They got in over their head. They're running out of money. They're getting successful. How does that affect <laughs> you know? And it's like and and that's what was so good because what we lost in Ghostbusters too is it became all about the ghosts. It became a ghost story. And it's like that's not what people wanted to see there needs to be a personal story in it there needs to be you know and I was like oh right you're a smart guy like that's what it is and I think it was neither a ghost movie where it was scary about ghosts uh, too and it was it was just kind of like here are these characters and there's just more ghosts more wackiness and I hate a movie uh, where you are the hero at the end. Everyone in the town is like, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. And they have to like tack on that, oh, yeah, well, after the movie, everyone just thought it was a light show and that these guys defrauded the city. Now they're hated. It's like, <laughs> wait, what? You can't wait, do that. No. Right. It's like, come on. Like, like <laughs> and it's, it's sort of like you can't, like, you to reboot it. It's like a sitcom or something. It's like, I think that that was a bad thing. It's like you're bringing them back down to zero. I guess you have to, but... I, yeah, you can't you can't leave on that note and it's like under the like basically it's almost like passing like news. It's like oh yeah, they're at birth the kids' birthday parties now. It's like what? Why? Yeah, how did that Why? Happen? Right. They just saved New York City. Yeah, this and, and it's like oh, it was a light show. This 
like sixty foot tall yeah. marshmallow man that walked through the city that everyone saw. Like, where is their technology for yeah, any? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, like, it, it's just like that kind of stuff. It's like it makes no sense. But it's like, oh yeah, yeah now they're failures again. It's like, I hated that about Rocky Five too. I believe it was Five, where he's like living in the Bowery and he's broke. Like you tell me that Rocky Balboa, the, one of the one of the most yes. the most well liked uh, champions of all time, someone wouldn't be sponsoring him or right, right. personal appearances. He'd be making you know twenty grand a shot. It, but Rocky, to me, it's interesting because one to one through four are is telling some sort of story, you know, to a certain extent. Then five. And the new one are basically like uh, forget all that. Like they, they, right, right. they just kind of really just they're like every new like because five and six are very different. Like five, like where they leave you at five, like he's brain damaged, he's all f-ed up, he's fighting in the street. And six, it's like oh that never really happened. Now he owns a restaurant. So, yeah, yeah, now he's in Creed, and it's like he looks like what you're talking about. Now he looks like oh that's the Rocky that we would see. The guy owns a restaurant, and he's yeah. a former champ, and he's, you know, people want to pose for him, always, he'll get back in now to be a coach. It's, boom, boom, boom. It's a Marvel comic movie, so it has yeah. to be two a year, because that's what the contract says, or whatever. Yeah, and it's just like, let's yeah. go. And it's like, we're casting before we have a script, we're going, you know, it's like, and, you know, I think Ant-Man is a movie that is like, it's amazing that it, it turned out good, but in a weird way. I think that those movies kind of benefit from a more collaborative thing. It's like, all right, Edgar Wright worked on that movie, made it awesome and then and then had to be taken off you know like left yeah, yeah, yeah. and then adam mckay got it and then added a bunch of jokes and, and and made it like i think there's elements of that movie that's very adam mckay and then peyton reed gets in and he's more of a comic book guy who has like an allegiance to all this and then he puts his thing so like whenever i watch him i'm like oh that's three different directors making one why movie. was there three different directors on the movie well but Edgar Wright wanted to do Ant Man yeah. before Marvel movies were even big, and it be like it was just like a heist movie. Yeah, and he got in, and and no one will speak to exactly why. If you read a lot on the internet, there's a lot of hypothesizing about it. But I think basically it got to the point where Edgar wanted to make one movie, and Marvel was becoming and and is now a bigger entity. An and they're entity, just like, right. can you change it? Can you change it? Can you make it this? Can you make it this? Can you tie in these characters? Can you do this? Can you do this? And I think he just didn't want to do that. I think he was like, no, no, I want to make the Ocean's Eleven, my Ant-Man heist movie. That's what I want to make, and I want it to exist outside the world of Marvel, within the same world, but they don't have to have a run-in with, you know, uh, different characters and stuff like that. And so I think it just got to a point, and he left. But I think the reason why the movie's so good and it looks so good is because those animatics are done years before. He started it, yeah. Yeah, because it's like he had those animatics. before. He only left six weeks before they started... Even less, I think, before they started shooting. The movie was cast. He cast it. Mm. He did the animatics. He had the script. You know, McKay always is pretty open about saying, like, he just added jokes and, and just polished what was already great. And then Peyton didn't have that much time to prep either. So it's like, you were, everyone's running on something that's already been created, you know. But it's, at the end of the day, it's, it, it works. Pay, yeah. It doesn't work too often when you have multiple directors. Yeah, so. no. I mean, but I think in these bigger movies, it's sort of like, it's much more of, um, I guess, the difference between buying like a shoe from a cobbler versus a shoe from Target. It's like, you know, they're like, you know, you're going to have your Paul Thomas Andersons who are researching Scientology and making the master and, and creating this really fine picture of that world. And you're going to have the guys who are making the Avengers going like, all right, we're already a week behind schedule yeah. and we haven't even had to start a script yet. You know, it's like, there's a great documentary on the Pirates of the Caribbean 2 DVD where they had to start building sets and they had no script. 
And they're like, all right, well, build this set. I was in Vancouver shooting a movie, and I was talking to one of the guys there, and he was like, we've taken down three sets so far because the script keeps on changing, but we need to be working. Mm-hmm. So we're just like, it's wow. weird. It's the money being spent on that, right? Yeah. When you have $100 million, it doesn't make <laughs> yeah. So uh, last question. If you, yeah. had, if you were on a desert island and you had to choose one franchise, Star Wars or Indiana Jones, oh, what would wow. you choose? It's interesting because if I'm choosing franchise potential. Like It's like it, my immediate gut goes to Star Wars because I think it's more expansive. There's more stuff to do. Cause I, to me... Nothing gets better than Raiders. Like Raiders and Empire, like I think are the shining the two uh, the, jewels. Yeah, exactly. You know, so you know, so it's sort of like, all right. So what do I, what do I want to watch more? And I, I can rewatch. I probably have rewatched Raiders more than Empire as an adult. But I think I like, or maybe it's just because I'm just hot on Star Wars right now. I'm just kind of feeling like. You know, again, if I'm on a if I'm on an island and I only have it, I'm like, well, at least I got this J.J. Abrams movie. Hope <laughs> maybe I'll muscle through some of those because I think there are elements about the prequels and I, I use this with the biggest grain of salt that are slightly interesting that I, mean, oh, I, I would watch that scene or I'd watch that um, but uh, but the Crystal Skull is pretty awful that one really knocks it down is it as bad as the prequels? I think it's definitely on the level yeah. but not you know I think when people think of the prequels too they're really locked into Jar Jar in the first mm. movie People don't really think about the second and the third movie, and I don't think those two are as bad. Yeah, I don't think they are good, but I don't think they're as bad they as what progressively the, better. Yes, and 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 I and I think I remember I got to watch it again, but I remember the third being like, okay, it's interesting, and the dialogue is shitty and all that sort of stuff. But uh, Crystal Skull was more of a letdown for me than when he's in the, fri- the refrigerator and it saves him from a nuclear bomb and the ants Such pulling a, people yeah. down the hill and it's just like I think what the, is going on? The bad taste that I have in my mouth from Crystal Skull is is pretty rough. And I think I really love Raiders. I feel like I don't ever revisit Crusade or Temple of Doom as much as I think of Raiders. Like mm-hmm. I think, and as an adult, like as a kid, I think I was much more into Last Crusade. I thought it was so cool, but now I'm like, nah, Raiders is where it's at. Raiders yeah. is like the best distillation. Dark. Yeah, it's so good. And then Star Wars, I could be like, well, there's first one's pretty great, and the second one's amazing, and the third one has elements that are cool. Uh, and so I feel like as a there's more there to take. But yeah, Indiana Jones, you know, I want it to be great. I want it to, you know. Please, like, and that's why when people go like, "Oh, Chris Pratt should be Indiana Jones," like, no, Chris Pratt should be Guardians of the Galaxy because that's Indiana Jones. I mean, like, he doesn't have to be Indiana Jones; right. he already is Indiana Jones. Yeah. Like, just not doing Indiana Jones. Like, right? And, you know, I just and I think that that's that's what, that's a problem with all these reboots is like people want people to be that. Like, I'm so psyched. I think Oscar Isaac is going to be the new Han Solo. That's exciting to me. I, I'm like, yeah, let's what see. Who was he in, Oscar? Oscar, it, he was in Ex Machina, uh, which is like a great mo- indie movie. And he's been in um, that uh, the movie, uh, Lewin Davis, the Coen Brothers movie. He's like a more of a dramatic guy. But he, and it, he's been in a couple other things too. Uh, they're all pretty great. So it's the same thing as when Harrison Ford got the gig. He's kind of a guy up and coming, nothing really major yet. Yes, it's right. like he's good. People know he's good. And he's got a lot of personality. Like in Ex Machina, it's great. He plays like this Steve Jobs, like kind of a crazier Steve Jobs. When I saw X Machina, I was like, I'm excited for yeah. Star Wars because like he's got a fun energy, and that's what you want. Like you want to find the next people, and he's not going to be Han Solo. He can be something else. Like, and that's what I think is so great about. Sorry, I'm going to give you this big love, but no, no. about like C3PO is like. That's great. Like it can always be the C three PO because that's like he's not aging. He doesn't look weird, right. you know. And from what I saw of Mark Hamill on. Uh, 
in on set, like with the beard, looking like Obi Wan Kenobi. I'm like, ooh, cool! Like that's what I want to see. Like full circle. Age them, age yes. these people. Give yes. them like cool shit because that's fulfilling. I I went to a um, a charity screening of Empire Strikes Back at the ArcLight with Harrison Ford, and he was it was there? awesome. Nice. Yeah. He did a Q and A after, and it was the craziest audience. It was like. It was Sasha Baron Cohen. It was like I want to say like Justin Bieber. It was like the crazy like everyone who like star you know. And so Harrison Ford did this Q and A, and he it was funny because it was there's been a moment where he started to come back around to Star Wars, and it's sort of like, oh, why do I hate this thing that people right. love me for? And it's not painted him into a corner. It's like. He's painted himself into a corner of doing yeah, a lot Harrison of shitty. Yeah. yeah, he will always be Harrison Ford, even though he makes shitty movie after shitty movie. <laughs> and I, I think he's actually really super talented, but he's not made a good movie in a long time. But he, uh, but, but seeing him there, and he was talking about this thing, and, and this is a couple of years ago. He said, "You know, I wa-, he goes, I haven't seen this movie since it came out, The Empire, but I wanted to be prepared for this Q and A. So last night." I watched Star Wars. I wanted to now see Star Wars, and I wanted to watch this, and and it. I got hit by this thing because I'm watching Star Wars. I'm like, holy shit! Right now, I'm as old as Alec Guinness was when he was Obi Wan Kenobi in wow. Star Wars, and he was like, and that really threw me for a loop. And I was like, oh wow! Like so, for kids. Like and I and I think you know I, I partially partially feel like you've got to like kids have to embrace this too. It's like they're going to be like they're looking at him and and hopefully JJ Abrams does it right. Like if he can be or Luke can be the Obi Wan Kenobi, that's way cooler because I didn't know who Alec Guinness was. I didn't think he was like I was like oh he's Obi Wan Kenobi. I, I love that guy. Alex Guinness. Yeah right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> Alex like, Guinness. Yeah. It's, like, it's like that's that to me is kind of cool because I love the new cast and everyone will love like you know John Boyega and yeah. you know, Daisy Ridley and all these people but they're like oh and those old, that old guy is pretty cool too but like our parents knew of Alex Guinness being a great like you know great Shakespearean actor Shakespearean actor Peter yeah. Cushing yeah yeah like you know but these are just faces to us you know and like so if they can do that I'm psyched I mean, but who knows? I mean, I'm nervous. You know, once bitten, twice shy. You know, <laughs> my my thing was is 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 they. I don't think they would do this if it wasn't going to yeah. be good. I don't think JJ would have taken it on if it wasn't going to be kick ass great. I think he knows what is in store for him, and, and what he has to do, and what he has to champion. And and you know, he said, "I want it. I could never be able to direct Star Wars, so I went and did Star Trek." So he got to make Star Wars his way. And Ryan Johnson is the second director of the second movie. Like, I love Ryan Johnson. So he's already been announced. Yeah, yeah, he's been announced. And now Colin Trevorrow, the guy who did Jurassic World, is doing the third one. But, but again, in that mass-produced way, it's like they, you know, where are they at? But, uh, but Ryan Johnson, like, I'm like, really excited because that makes me excited. What's the second one? Because Ryan Johnson only have made really kind of crazy indie, weird movies. So. It'll be interesting. If they can find a way to fit Gary Coleman in there, we'll be uh, uh, <laughs> Ghost of Gary Coleman. Thanks to Paul Shear. Great to know that I found another person who loves pop culture, the minutia of pop culture as much as I do, as if there was any doubt. Uh, after being uh, my compadre on I Love the 70s, 80s, 90s, I Love the 2000s, I Love the 2010s. Is that a thing? It should be. Uh, thanks to Paul, and thanks to his amazing podcast, How Did This Get Made? Very, very funny. How Did the Worst Movies of All Time Get Made? He gives rundowns, a scene by scene report almost like a mystery science theater 3000 type of vibe you'll love the breakdown and analysis of the bad movies and like paul said they're bad movies not bad movies that are so bad they're good these are drop dead 
shit bad movies, all right? Paul's podcast, How Did This Get Made, is on iTunes. Why don't you head over there, subscribe to his podcast, leave him a review and a five-star rating, and then subscribe to Talk is Jericho as well, and leave me a five-star rating, and leave me a good review. I'd appreciate that a lot because I know how much you guys dig podcasts, uh, and I got another one for you. All right, here's add this add this one to your subscribe list. Huge, huge out of the gate, huge hit. Keeping it 100 with my boy Conan. He's the flagship podcast, the debut podcast on the brand new Jericho Network. He debuted last week. He is one of the hottest podcasts in the world today, right off the bat, right off the get-go. Keeping it 100, ready to drop episode number two tomorrow. Every Wednesday for Keeping It 100 at Podcast One on iTunes. You got to check this out. Conan, very controversial, uh, does not have a filter. He says what he feels and feels what he says, okay? You're not going to get any sugar coating. You're not going to get any political correctness from Conan. Keeping It 100 on the Jericho Network, available on iTunes and Podcast One now. Subscribe to it. You're not going to want to miss it. All those other podcasts you subscribe to, get rid of them, ditch them. The only podcasts you need to subscribe to one, Talk is Jericho, two, Keeping It 100. 100 with Conan. Go do it now. I'm telling you, you're not going to regret it. Very, very hilarious and very, very controversial. It is real. It is keeping it 100 on the Jericho Network on Podcast One and iTunes. And don't forget, mark your calendars, March 15th, 2017. It's the biggest podcast ever. When Mick Foley joins Talk is Jericho, the countdown has begun. It's still ticking away 244 days and counting until the biggest podcast ever. You might have noticed I wasn't on Raw this week. I am taking a, a week off out in Maui right now. Uh, but that's why I was not on Raw as we inch even closer to the uh, the draft next week on SmackDown Live. Will I be on SmackDown? Will I be on Raw? Will I be on NXT? Will I uh, get dumped to uh, Velocity? Who knows? Anything can happen. Uh, in the meantime, and in between time, this Saturday on Nickelodeon, Chris Jericho makes his debut appearance on the Thundermans. A lot of people are like, oh, Jericho's so fallen so far. He's doing the Thundermans. Hilarious role. I've got the mullet of all mullets. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to miss the Thundermans with Jericho this Saturday on Nickelodeon. Uh, I play the dad of Jack Griffo's girlfriend, and I am a hard ass. Okay, I own an MMA gym, and I'm scaring the crap out of, uh, out of Jack, who is a superhero on the Thundermans, but I am stronger and tougher, and I have the best mullet of all time. This Saturday, check it out. Uh, I'm very, very excited for you guys to see me uh, continue my acting career on the Thundermans. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll see you this Sunday at Madison Square Garden as well. I will be there. Street fight. Uh, I'm not sure who it's against, but I'll be there. I'll street fight anybody. I don't care who it is. Uh, and I thank you guys for uh, for being there. Thank you guys for checking out the Thundermans. Thank you guys for checking out the Jericho Network with Conan, uh, keeping it at 100. And thank you for being here today with Paul Shear. Super funny. Uh, and thank you once again to all you guys for supporting the great Talk is Jericho sponsors, including DDP Yoga. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get 20% off anything you paddle choose for a limited time, including the brand new collector's edition DVD and Blu-ray of The Resurrection of Jake the Steak documentary, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen in my life. Number six best reviewed documentary of all time on Netflix. Uh, and of course, thanks to the OG sponsor, Amazon. 
easiest way to support this show. Please use my Amazon links anytime you do any online shopping. All my Amazon links are at podcast1.com. Just click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got Amazon links for the USA, the UK, the Canada. A. Every time you use them Talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to the show to help us cover production costs and become a Talk is Jericho Amazon warrior. Whatever you buy, take a picture of it, uh, take a screenshot of it, post it on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho. I will retweet you and I'll follow you. What kind of a deal is that? That's a damn good deal, man. Don't forget, no extra fees or hidden shawls. Just go to podcast1.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Thank you so much for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. Uh, next Friday, I'll tell you what. <laughs> you guys want uh, something special? Something you ain't going to hear anywhere else? How about this? Uh, it's the Reunion. Talk and Shop, live in Hawaii, presented by Talk is Jericho. Are you a fan of the uh, defunct podcast, Talk and Shop? Have, do you know what I'm talking about? Because if you do, you know what you can get. If you've never heard of it before, it is the podcast that Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, and AJ Styles did in Japan. Well, we're bringing it here to Talk is Jericho. It is Talk and Shop, live in Hawaii, presented by Talk is Jericho. Uh, me, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, AJ Styles, sitting around, uh, shooting the, the, uh, the breeze all things wrestling not even sure uh, what the conversation <laughs> what the conversation entails but you're going to hear aj you're going to hear carl you're going to hear luke you're going to hear hell yeah man you're going to hear sour boy you're going to hear the nature hoot you're going to hear redneck one and redneck two you're going to hear uncle alan a lot of visitors coming to see us on uh, on talking shop live in hawaii presented by talk is jericho this friday trust me you're not going to want to miss it you want to be a fly on the wall for a bunch of dudes sitting around after the matches and uh having a couple cocktails talking shop that's what you're going to get this friday don't you dare miss it one of the most Ridiculous, funniest podcast you're ever going to hear. Uh, Talk and Shop, live in Hawaii, presented by Talk is Jericho this Friday. We'll see you then. Uh, big yeah, boy, to all of you. Love you guys. We'll see you soon. See you on Friday. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com.